Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. The dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm usually joined by my co-host Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. We're a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Me and Jake like to break down one player at a time from both a film and a metrics point of view and have a decent argument from those two different perspectives um, on an individual player. But unfortunately, he's been uh, well. He's either busy with life right now. Or he's joined a jazz band. Honestly, the reports are all unclear at this point. I'll keep you updated. In the meantime, I've been bringing on some uh, guest co-hosts from different podcasts to try and fill in Jake's shoes. Um, or over the last few weeks, I've been doing some solo podcasts on one issue or one subject at a time. This week's another solo podcast. Sorry for all of you who can't wait to get someone else talking on here. And we're getting about talking about our, our free data on our downloads. We're getting about 400 downloads an episode right now, so I'm really astonished. I'm really grateful to everyone listening. Hopefully, I can keep up the interesting information flowing until Jake gets back, hopefully around the time the season starts, but we really don't know. So this week, I thought I'd delve into the Mike Evans-Chris Godwin conversation. If you're not aware of it, then you're not spending enough time on Twitter. Scott Barrett recently published a thread on on Twitter that was really interesting, talking about how he thinks Chris Godwin, he is another one who thinks that Chris Godwin could seriously um, co-op Mike Evans' opportunity share and become the wide receiver one, in terms of fantasy at least, in 2019. Scott's a really intelligent guy, and it, he wasn't just hot-taking, he's got very solid analytical reasons for thinking so. Um, and I was I was really impressed with it. It's one of the best arguments I've heard for why it could happen. His argument was largely based around efficiency per target, even adjusted for the different ADOTs. Mike Evans works further down the field from the line of scrimmage compared to Chris Godwin, so they have uh, different expectations in terms of how many, what your catch rate should be or how many yards you should get per target. And so once you adjust for that, you can see how efficient they are between themselves rather than um, uh, comparing the different ADOTs. Um, so Scott's done some really solid work and he has a really decent basis for thinking it could happen. I, uh, I don't know. Mike Evans is a really awkward evaluation for me. I've actually been pointing out Mike Evans' inefficiency for a while now. I think he has been overly valued in Dynasty because of his age, essentially, and that's probably a different subject. But... Um, yeah, I've been hammering him as being like the sixth player often off the board in Dynasty Trash for the first four or five years of his career, or for three years of his career. He's only had five years. Um, and always, still now, he's a like a top seven wide receiver. And it's because of the value of knowing you're going to get a very productive, very skilled player at a young age. 
Um, however, I've been pointing out until last year, he'd only finished inside the top 12 once. And so we'd always been overpaying because of our belief that we'd get multiple seasons from a young guy inside the top 12. In fact, we'd had one season inside the top 12 and two seasons outside the top 24. But because he was really good, we kept overpaying. Whereas you could have traded him every year for an older player who was also proven got an extra so from that perspective, I just felt he was consistently overvalued, in Dynasty at least. This offseason, that take actually culminated in a bet with uh, Quarter Hacks. She's a host of the Top Dogs Dynasty podcast. She's she's really funny. You should check her out if you haven't before. But she's a big Mike Evans fan. I'm a big Adam Thielen fan. And so I gave up like two or three draft rounds of equity and said that my, Adam Thielen was going to finish higher than Mike Evans. I insist I'm showing more faith in my player because I'm actually taking a player that's drafted several rounds later and saying that he'll beat him. But you know, the plea fell on deaf ears and I was able to get no extra equity with that. So it's just a straight up Mike Evans versus Adam Thielen wager. And there's no money in it, but uh, a lot of pride, I think. So you might think that I was, you know, heavily invested in the idea that Chris Godwin could co-op Mike Evans' opportunity share and finish as a wide receiver one, at least in terms of fantasy for his team. But... And here's the thing, I've never said Mike Evans isn't good. Mike Evans is very good. He can do things not many people can, and of the ones who can, he can do it at a fairly elite level. I just think in terms of reward for investment, he's always been overvalued, and he's been very inefficient. The 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 go-to line is he's a catch and fall down receiver, and that's true. He has very little yards after the catch, but in the same way that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are very good receivers at the same position. They're completely different players playing under some arbitrary name that we use to designate people on a field, wide receiver, but they're doing very different things in order to score fantasy points. So Mike Evans is just a different kind of wide receiver than most we're used to playing um, in his traditional role. He doesn't get much yards after the catch, but he does catch a lot of balls at a high rate with a lot of yards. So I think he's very skilled, and, and and probably a top 12 wide receiver in the league if we could find an even measurement for that. But I just, again, it's more of a, he's always been overvalued and he's not as skilled as some other players at an older or younger age that fill Hill's same role because he doesn't have yards after catch ability and he's been fueled largely by team volume and, and various other things. So it puts me in this interesting situation where a player who's been co-opting a lot of opportunity fulfilling my idea that target share and opportunity to share says something about the skill or the quality of a player and my belief that Mike Evans has always been overvalued and overestimated in Dynasty and really in Redraft as well. So um, I find myself sitting on the fence a little bit and thought delving into it might give uh, another perspective on the analytics of it I like to think of myself as a very dumbed-down version of people like Scott, and so maybe a little more accessible to those uh, that aren't analytically inclined, shall we say, and know that Mike Evans looks good in the football field, so why would Chris Godwin co-opt him? Again, Scott's argument, uh, at least the one he posted on Twitter, was largely based on um, efficiency per target, and it's it's a really good point. There's no, really, there's no way of saying that Mike Evans isn't inefficient even adjusted for ADOT. But again, I just think that's largely about the way he plays the position 
um, even over other players with this similar ADOT. So how can I dig into this? My main concern with this is that players operate at a high volume. I think that says something about their quality, their ability. Now, even if they play the position slightly different than each other, high quality players earn high target shares, they earn high, high air, air they earn high air yard shares, um, and that leads to lots of fantasy points. And opportunity tends to be more predictable year over year, which means they are the best investments for dynasty or redraft leagues, season-long leagues. The first thing I did was actually compare Mike Evans' efficiency compared to his volume. Now, adjusting for ADOT was a really smart and interesting way of looking at efficiency, but I think that it's harder to operate more efficiently at a higher volume. So even ignoring ADOT, I compared Mike Evans' efficiency at players getting a similar level of volume. And the way I looked at volume, because of uh, my very brave heroic Patreons that actually support me, I maybe actually buy subscriptions to places instead of trolling for free data and sharing it with you all. Now I am able to buy a little bit of data and share that with you. So my Patreons are actually able to fund me to get a Rotoviz subscription. So I've been playing around with their expected points model and think of expected points as opportunity and fantasy points over expected as their efficiency with that opportunity. I'm going to try and stick to target share because I've got that in here as well. But I think expected points is a really interesting way of looking at it. So what the first thing I did after reading Scott's um, thread was look at the average efficiency so fantasy points over expected for players with mike evans kind of volume now interestingly mike evans doesn't have top level volume however through his five seasons he's had two very inefficient seasons according to fantasy points over expected in 2017 and 2015 he's also had three seasons where actually were efficient where he scored more points than the average player would have with his opportunity in 2014 16 and 18 now again based on his adot i think he's largely inefficient with his targets compared to other players with similar volume if i can attribute that to just the way he plays the position there may be a slight out where based on his volume he's actually performing over the average efficiency the other thing to note there and the, one of the other early reasons i started pointing out that i thought he was a little overvalued is his expected points much like his target share is largely overblown like he does have a 30 percent target share season on his resume which again i think tells you that he's definitely talented However, if you look at the rolling average of his career, he's never really exceeded 27% over the last two years since Chris Godwin's been on the team. It's actually been falling. He had 23% of targets in 2017 and 22% of targets, which is borderline wide receiver one volume in 2018. And his rolling average has dropped since his 2016 season from 27% to 25%. So that all tells you that there is a trend down here. However, in 2016, his least efficient efficient season according to fantasy points over expected um, and his best season I'll point out when he finishes the wide receiver three the one year that he actually paid off a value in dynasty was in 2016 so since that year when he had 27% of targets 241 expected fantasy points it has been falling now that might be a product of Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson being on the team this is something I was in on last year more more competition would drag that 27% down I just didn't think he was quite as good as some players who consistently get the level of volume like DeAndre Hopkins or Keenan Allen. So in other words it could be a product of Chris Goblin or Adam Humphreys who was actually the wide receiver two on the team last year or Deshaun Jackson who we already know is established as an efficient and skilled player in the NFL. But moving on it could be Chris Goblin it could be those players it could be 
the volume adjusting for what Mike Evans needs to be. Now, since 2016, um, he actually has had his most efficient season last year. Now, I don't want to feed into the myth that a wide receiver two can help a wide receiver one, but perhaps there was some balance struck between volume and the way Mike Evans plays to create his most efficient season of his career in, in year five. So that's what I went and looked at after reading Scott's thread. And I think there's some positive things in there that maybe Mike Evans' volume is just reaching a balance where the team's getting the most out of him. And as Blair Andrews has found on Rotoviz, at least for the first two years of a career, efficiency tends to lead to more volume or at least consistent and sustained volume and efficiency, positive efficiency the following year. Or you think it's Chris Godwin being on the team the last two years, despite the fact that Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson were actually out opportunitying, out opportunitying? Anyway, um, Chris Godwin himself. Now, Chris Godwin, for his part, has had one inefficient and one efficient season. So his his career so far is divided in two as well. But he's going into his third year. We can't judge him too much. And based on 2018, everything that we said about them in his rookie evaluations is turning out to be true. He's a very skilled player. On the targets he's getting, he's incredibly efficient. I think there is an opportunity for this team to produce two top 24 wide receivers. I'm just not as convinced that Chris Godwin is going to be the one and Mike Evans the two. There's a definite signal here with Scott's argument that it can happen. And so I wanted to dig into it a little further. So what I did is looked at um, an 18-year history all the way back to 2000, and I looked for wide receivers that had been their team's number one target in one year and then became less than their number one target the following year. Now, that created like a lot of different entries. That happens a lot. So I cut that down by the number of games they played in this in the next year. Um, so they have to have played 15 games the following year. So it's not they got injured and therefore their target share is showing lower because they weren't on the field as much that year. Um, I then cut it down to only players that had finished in the top 24 in the first year. So if a player finished inside the top 24 and it was his team's number one target, and then the following year he played 15 games and was not the team's number one target, they made the list. Now what I actually found is a list of 32 players, which is actually a fairly small sample when you think about it going all the way to 2000, and where, who met that criteria. Finished in the top 24, played the next season, but was suddenly their team's wide receiver two instead of their wide receiver one. I then cut it down to players that played at age 27 or younger in that second season because Mike Evans is 25 years old and age is a big thing in Dynasty and I knew the first objection I'd get was well Mike Evans is a different kind of cat he's younger he's got more years left as if years convey somehow an ability to be better the following year I, I don't I don't think they do but anyway so slightly older than Mike Evans but not the 31 32 33 year olds that often lose opportunity as their skill set or their team or whatever is fades on them. What I found was eight different examples since 2000 where the type of scenario that I think it's fair to compare what we're projecting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin has actually happened. And again, eight players is not, it does not happen often. I think that's the first thing we can take away from looking at the history of this is that a number one receiver at a uh, in the middle of their peak of their, their their likely peak of their NFL career doesn't often become the wide receiver too if they're playing a full season but it does happen the first example or the most recent example is Golden Tate in 2014 he finished inside the top 24 and then the next year he was a wide receiver too for Detroit but you already know what happened there Calvin Johnson came back in 2015 healthy after being injured the year before so that's that that's no big mystery and not something I think we can compare evenly to Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. 
It also happened to Tory Smith in 2013. He was a wide receiver one, finished inside the top 24. The next year, Steve Smith, the Steve Smith, not the other Steve Smith that comes up in this data, but he actually traded onto the Baltimore Ravens and he became the wide receiver one. So that's a trade for an older proven player. I don't think that quite equates to Chris Godwin either. It happened to Gary Jennings in 2010. He was a wide receiver one. The next year, he wasn't. That was Jordy Nelson turning up. And so that is somewhat similar, right? Jordy Nelson rising as a second round prospect to be the prominent feature wide receiver from then on, really, um, after 2010. Jennings had averaged, up until that point in his career, 198 fantasy points, expected fantasy points, and a 22% target share, however. So he wasn't receiving the type of volume that Mike Evans was. Greg Jennings was definitely cut uh, in the way that we're predicting Mike Evans might be. But Uh, I don't think he was quite the volume player that Mike Evans is. And he was also 27 years old, like right on the edge of that age barrier to compare him to Mike Evans. Jericho Cottry in 2007 was overtaken as a wide receiver one the next year and by a man whose name I will murder, by the way. Um, But Lavernarius Coles, and this is a name I'm going to have to say several times because apparently he is the cook of the NFL. This guy did it to two different teams through four different years. But So bear with me here. But Coles, he was originally on Washington in 2002 and 2003. He traded in from the New York Jets as a third-round pick. He was traded to them in 2003, and he overtook Rod Gardner. And then in 2007, after being traded back to the Jets, so he was just passed back and forth between this team twice, and he then overtook Jericho Cotchery, who was a wide receiver one the year before that. This is a really unique situation that I think has a lot to do with Coles and almost nothing to do with the players that are already present on the depth chart. Jericho Cotchery up to that point had earned 200 expected fantasy points and 25% target share. So that's pretty similar to Mike Evans, but Jericho Cottry's numbers, because I'm only using 14 game seasons to work out that rolling average, like it's based on that one year where he was a wide receiver one, not the other years where he wasn't playing 14 games. So um, I really don't think he measures up well to to Mike Evans at all. Rod Gardner, similar story. Um, He was drafted 15th overall, so a little bit more draft capital than Cottry, but again, he doesn't really compare well to Mike Evans. Um, His rolling average up until that point in his career was 194 points and 25% target share. So similar, but not quite the level um, of Mike Evans. And just to give you a comparison, because I don't think it said it, currently Mike Evans' rolling average is at 233 expected fantasy points, and 30 points is very significant at this level of volume, and 25% target share. So just to give you the baseline there that I'm comparing it to. And now the man I want you to remember, like we have to say his name regularly at seances or something, is Jerry Porter. I felt like sad. For some reason, Jerry Porter um, in his fifth season finally cracked the team's number one spot. He became his team's lead wide receiver at age 26 in his fifth season as a 47th overall draft pick. Yay, Jerry, right? It's even more impressive or even more like a story of success when you consider that Jerry Rice actually retired well, he didn't retire. He he retired the following year, but in 2004, that was the first time he wasn't on Oakland through Jerry Porter's career. So Jerry, uh, so Jerry Rice leaves, and Jerry Porter finally gets to be the lead receiver. The next year, he becomes a wide receiver too because Randy Moss joins the team. Yeah, poor Jerry Porter. He never he never quite 
regained or recovered from any of that. He was never the wide receiver one on his team again, and his career kind of peters out. But he does have that one year where he was a wide receiver one between Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. Poor Jerry Porter. But again, I don't think it's a very clean example that, of what might happen for Chris Godwin. Corin Robinson um, was a wide receiver one in 2002. Gerald Jackson took over the next year. He was in his fourth season. Not very highly drafted either. Um, he was actually drafted before Corin Robinson, if I remember. And Corin Robinson had slightly more draft capital as a ninth round pick overall. I tried to dig into the history. This is showing how, like, I haven't been watching NFL football for this many years. So I'm digging through sites trying to find the history like I don't there is very little written about the 2002-2003 season that can really make me understand what happened there they seem to switch out being the wide receiver one and two and following years and they both started to peter out after that I don't fully know but neither of them compare very well to Mike Evans again Corum Robinson had 173 expected points rolling average to that point in this career and only 20% target share and Kev Johnson who probably has the least amount rid of him on this list by the way um he was uh, cut by Quincy Morgan in his second year so we actually have another example which fits fairly well to what we might expect we, along with Gary Jennings Kevin Johnson was uh, cut or beaten out for the wide receiver one position by a player early in their career but the next year after that Dennis Norcutt is a wide receiver one and I don't think anyone's ever written anything about him and he was drafted and that was in his fourth year like this is Cleveland in 2001 to 2003. There's just a lot of change going on. None of those players seem particularly volume heavy. I don't think they compare well to Mike Evans, but Kevin Johnson might offer the other example of a young player coming in and taking that wide receiver one job like Gary Jennings. Now, just because there isn't a perfect fit doesn't make me think that it couldn't happen for Chris Godwin to become the wide receiver one Tampa Bay. If anything, this shows me that it's happened several different times in the past in a variety of different ways. And what that means is it can happen. We can't rely on the idea that his volume will keep him safe. But if Mike Evans makes this list next year, then he will be the highest volume, youngest player without some significant veteran trade happening to actually make the list. Can happen. It would be unusual. Now, a few other examples, because my minimum maximums for filtering this table here do rule out some other good examples that might be comparable. One is Roddy White, um, who was a wide receiver one on his team until Julio Jones shows up. And then in his second year, Julio Jones becomes Julio Jones. Um, and obviously, he was highly drafted. He was more, dra uh, more highly drafted than Roddy White, if memory serves. Roddy White was 30 years old, which is why he didn't make the list. And he's a little older and a different point in his career. And frankly, if Roddy White's career after Julio Jones turns up is what we can expect from Mike Evans, then you're probably not going to be disappointed having Mike Evans on your team, frankly. And Roddy White's volume before Julio Jones turns up looks a lot more like Mike Evans. Roddy White was a lot more efficient than Mike Evans uh, and played a di played the position differently, but that's probably one of the cleanest examples. It's just you have to ignore the age or stage of a career thing to get to it. And there are a few others like, but can, when to balance in age, these eight examples are the only ones that really came up. So again, I do think there is precedent here that it does happen. It happens a variety of different ways. However, my I do stick with my main concern that it is rare. It doesn't happen a lot. Chris Goblin still could be a top 24 wide receiver and be really good without having to become a higher fantasy scoring player than Mike Evans. So where else do I go with this? Um, to decide if Mike Evans' volume has come down a little bit because they're 
preparing and and obviously i don't go to coach narratives of where and mainly because i stick with what i'm good at scott barrett mike uh, evan silver these guys think it could happen because they think they can read what bruce arians is gonna do based on his past i find that stuff unsticky i think predicting it i don't think we can go through the analytics on that it's more a feeling of what a coach can do and i trust scott and i trust evans so i do think it's possible that bruce arians will lean on more of a godwin than a mike evans but i don't know how to build that in because it's unpredictive because i can't find signal that i can trust myself to find and rely on then it makes it a little fuzzy so the other thing i was looking at was their red zone usage mike evans career is basically if he gets you 10 to 12 touchdowns he's going to be a high scoring wide receiver he's had two seasons where he's been a top 13 not top 12 wide receiver or better and one of those includes um and also his top three season obviously which is really where most of this dynasty value has come from that one season where he was the third over third scoring wide receiver overall so what i did is dug into their red zone usage because if touchdowns is how mike evans season goes i want to know how his touchdowns have been going and last year what i what i do is it's like an expected points model but a lot simpler because i'm only using four different yard lines inside the red zone so it's just a lot easier to track using excel instead of you know a computerized learning model in 2018 uh, mike evans had 12 targets inside the red zone chris Godwin actually had 15 so chris godwin co-opted a lot of uh, red zone targets interestingly enough their distribution is is the polar opposite mike evans the majority of mike evans 12 targets came between the 20 and the 16 yard line chris godwin's the majority of his uh, red zone targets became between the 10 and the 6 yard line and he also had four targets between the five and the one so the closer they get to the red zone the more they were using chris godwin for targets instead of mike evans uh, if you go back a little bit into chris godwin's first year a similar trend actually emerges in chris godwin's very first year mike evans had 19 total targets so a little more in chris godwin's first year but again he seems to have had more of them outside the 10 yard line than inside the 10 yard line whereas chris godwin it's kind of evenly distributed but the highest number is three targets of his eight inside the five yard line and that since we know what happened in 2008 we can say that uh, that that probably extended into last year and before that mike evans targets were actually higher inside the red zone he had 19 targets again uh, in 2016 in 2015 he had uh, he had 17 targets and then in his first year again he had 14 targets so the number goes up and down a little bit because there are less red zone targets not a great sample but there does seem to be a pattern that in 2018 mike evans specialized inside the 20 and chris godwin specialized more inside the 10 also worth noting that last year adam humphreys had 14 targets inside the red zone cameron Bray had 12 um again you know what i think of missing targets i don't think these 14 targets from adam humphreys need to go somewhere um the debate between Cameron Brait and OJ Howard is interesting, but I think we can safely say uh, that both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are capable of earning um, their full share of red zone targets no matter what happens with other players. So I think there'll be a distribution similar in 2019. Mike Evans will be inside the 20, Chris Godwin will be inside the 10. But Mike Evans' target share while Chris Godwin has been on the team has already dropped. And my question is, maybe it already adjusted in Chris Godwin's second year where he was incredibly efficient and received significantly more targets inside the 10-yard line than Chris Mike Evans did. Maybe we've already seen that adjustment. Passing volume is predicted to be 
similar to last year, and hopefully it is, because high-volume passing offenses are good for us. But maybe we've already seen it. And that brings me to the efficiency. Mike Evans' over-efficiency in touchdowns is one of the reasons it's fairly easy to predict him being uh, less of a value than he's normally drafted in most drafts. But last year was one of his very few efficient touchdown seasons. In the same way that he was more efficient in expected points and fantasy points over expected last year with Humphreys, Deshaun Jackson, and Chris Godwin on the team, he was also more efficient in the red zone when the majority of his targets were distinctly pushed inside the 20 and the 16, and he got very few inside the 10. He got five out of his 12s, and, you know, few almost 50 percent but we're dealing with a small number here give me a break so he was actually more efficient on his touchdowns than he regularly is he's actually more efficient on his targets and expect through expected points than he usually is i don't know (laughs) after taking you through all that my overall i my overall conclusion is this is definitely possible uh, there is noise here. Uh, analysts aren't befuddling us by the the insane or outrageous accusation that a wide receiver one can be co-opted by their wide receiver two. It does happen. Mike Evans' volume is significantly higher than most of the players it has happened to, especially at his age. But his volume is significantly lower than most dominant wide receivers like he's not getting a Antonio Brown share of this offense he's not getting a DeAndre Hopkins level share of this offense but that's a really high tier to say a player has to meet before they're established to consistently get that volume no matter what and Roddy White the best example that compares to Mike Evans volume numbers before he was co-opted by Julio Jones I mean Chris Goblin's good but he's not Julio Jones no one is and he wasn't drafted that highly he doesn't have more draft capital invested more recently by the team and there is a new coaching staff coming in which makes it a slightly different situation but overall I lean that Mike Evans role has already adjusted a little bit to extended opportunity for other good players now I think Chris Godwin can definitely earn more than he's already got not because of missing targets because of the efficiency he displayed in every measure last season and his rookie profile his college profile tells us that he should be good and what he's done in the NFL says he is good so I've got no problem saying that Chris Godwin's going to be a top 24 wide receiver and that Tampa Bay's going to be one of the four or less teams every year that actually do that have two top 24 wide receivers but I can't go in on this idea that Chris Goblin's very likely he's, de- he's not likely to overtake Mike Evans I think he the uh, the volume for Mike Evans might already be, have adjusted his efficiency has improved and it's been sustainable efficiency his red zone efficiency was not extended last season that's what red zone expected points tells us so uh that's where i've come down like i think mike evans is probably still going to be the one i still think he's more likely to be a wide receiver 12 or wide receiver 13 than most people do already and i think chris goblin's got a really good chance to be a top 24 wide receiver here right now i'm still stuck on my initial opinion which is kind of suspicious when you don't change your opinion right like maybe i'm just leaning on what i already thought and if you think that then you should definitely change your mind and be higher on chris godwin the problem is right now chris godwin is being drafted where you would expect a player to be drafted if he's about to become a wide receiver one i think he's being drafted riskily right now but i think there's every reason to believe in him if he's on your team if you've already drafted him and this is possible this could happen so he's kind of in no man's land between those that do and those that never do get I have no idea if that word is even offensive. I hope it's not. So, 
Uh, that's my breakdown of it. I didn't expect it to take that long. Sorry about that. Um, but it is a really interesting debate. Um, I strongly recommend taking a look at the data just to dig into it. Because um, all watching the tape's going to do, correct me if I'm wrong, is prove to you that both players are good. So hopefully that was helpful or interesting or, you know killed your ride to work or something i don't know and um, thanks for tuning into the crossroads if there's any particular subject you want me to talk about or want me and jake to talk about later and um, please let us know at our twitter account at dono crossroads or my twitter account i guess at pa howdy thanks again for checking us out and i will talk to you again next week bye yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight. Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars. Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.